Airlines, flight number 69, I am your captain for today's trip, Dusty McBalls, aka the Certified Cougar Hunter, aka the man with balls too big to handle, and today we're going on a little plane ride, a plane ride from New York, New York to go party our dicks off in Miami, Florida. So strap in for takeoff. Get those sexy adventure crocs on for this rough turbulence we might endure, and let's get this trip underway. April of 1972, Eastern Airlines was the first carrier to take delivery of the brand new L-1011 TriStar airplane manufactured by Lockheed. This plane was made to revolutionize the way we fly planes today with the best of the best technology on board. This airplane was the first airplane capable of flying on autopilot from takeoff to takedown. Lockheed would even come out to say that it could fly all the way across the United States without a pilot even touching the steering column. But with every new piece of technology comes out, especially in the innovative era of the 1970s, there's also a strong price to pay and an extreme learning curve that comes with it. And on this learning curve, we're taking a look at Eastern Airlines first made in flight with Lockheed's new L-1011 Eastern Airlines Flight 401. And this flight was set, to, was set to depart New York's JFK Airport and was set to land in Miami International Airport in Miami, Florida. It's four days after Christmas, aka December 29th, 1972. It is a fully booked flight for the New Yorkers trying to escape the outrageous cold that is sweeping the New York streets. 228 passengers have purchased seats, but only 163 passengers were on flight 401, leaving 65 lucky passengers at home because they couldn't make it to the flight because of the torrential winter weather that's in these New York streets. There were 13 crew members on this flight captained by Captain Robert Loft, First Officer Albert Stockstill, and Flight Engineer Donald Repo. Also joining them in the cockpit was an off-duty pilot and Eastern Airlines Maintenance Specialist Angelo Donito. Now, Captain Loft was a 55-year-old seasoned veteran flying planes for decades since he got his start in the propeller plane era. Now, the other pilots weren't inexperienced. They just weren't as experienced as Mr. Loft since he has flown almost over 30,000 hours. So, flight 401 departed JFK at 9.20 p.m., and it was a normal, routine flight. 
they reached their cruising altitude, passed out the delicious snacks, everybody got their nuts and pretzels, they even had a marriage proposal, which she said yes. After all that, they just relaxed until they reached Miami. So, as they approached Miami Airport, Captain Loft was running through his approach checklist and his landing checklist. The conditions are clear. The runway is in sight. A safe landing is probable. But the airplane had other intentions. So, Loft goes to lower the landing gear, and when he lowers it, there's this light in the cockpit that tells you that the landing gear is lowered and it's locked in place. Well, this light didn't illuminate. So what he does is he just pulls it back up and tries to lower it again. But the same thing happened. The nose landing gear wouldn't lock. So what all the pilots and everybody in the cockpit decides to do is they'll just you know, do a whole runaround and they'll just come back in for another landing once they get the once they get the light on and they know the landing gear's down and locked in. But this might not be important, but it kind of is important because if that doesn't illuminate and if it doesn't come on and the landing gear isn't locked in place, when they go to land, it'll collapse and it'll just be really, really bad news, and nobody wants people or anybody hurt on a safety report. Nobody wants to get in trouble. So Captain Loft gets on the radio and he calls air traffic control, telling them like, telling them what's going on. Hey, uh, Tower, this is Eastern 401. We're gonna have to circle around. Uh, we haven't got the nose gear light on yet. Roger that, Eastern 401. Um, pull up to 2,000 feet and go back into approach control, 1286. So Loft brings it up to 2,000 feet, and he just heads west, puts in the coordinates into the autopilot that they just engaged, and he just goes west. And as he's going, well, as he's going west, another airplane National Airlines Flight 607 had the same issue and they weren't able to solve it, which caused the airport to wheel out the emergency response team in case their landing gear failed and collapsed when they were landing. But they landed safely and nobody got injured. But what happened was that took air traffic control's um, attention away from flight 401. So, as they were climbing to 2,000 feet, flight engineer Don Repo suggested, like, hey, let me, there's a switch over here, I can flip, them, flip it, and it'll let us know if it's just the light bulb in there, or if something else is really wrong, because it'll illuminate all the lights. So, Captain Laugh says, go ahead, do your thing, and Repo flips the switch, all of the lights come on except for the landing gear light so what they do is they attempt to jiggle it and it's still not coming on 
but even though they know that the light has failed and it isn't coming on, even with them trying to jiggle it and move it around in the socket, they still didn't want to come in for a landing without positive verification that the landing gear was locked and loaded in place. So a little bit after they reached 2,000 feet, Laf called air traffic control saying like, hey, we reached 2,000 feet um, and we're heading west to the coordinates you gave us. So after they're told that, like, cool, keep heading that way, um, we'll talk to you once our issue's over. So as they put in the coordinates to the landing gear, it takes them over the Floridian Everglades. And now the city lights are disappearing into the dark. Now that they're at their cruising altitude, focusing on the issue, the light, they got able to pop the light out, but as they were putting it in, it got jammed halfway in the socket and it just wouldn't move. So Loft, being frustrated with this tedious task, turns to Repo and tells him to go down in the hatch, this hatch in the cockpit nicknamed the Hellhole. And the reason it's called the Hellhole is because it is, it's extremely cramped, it's really tight, and just claustrophobia written all over it. So, as he tells him to go down there, Loft accidentally bumps into the, the steering column with just enough pressure and enough force to disengage the altitude holding function and really the only way you know if it's truly on if if the light's truly on is there's this little button it's this tiny button in the cockpit and it's not really noticeable at first glance so nothing about after he pushes it nothing about the airplane's trajectory has changed everything is fine they're just drifting along trying to figure out the issue and now they're still kind of barely a little bit talking back and forth with air traffic control and now at this point air traffic control gets back to them and gave them new coordinates to head 207 degrees west so pilot Stockstill put in the coordinates in this dial that tells the autopilot where to go so while repo is still in the hellhole loft realizes that he has to decrease power because they're a little low on fuel and he doesn't know at the at how fast they're flying he doesn't want something to he doesn't want to worry about that issue either but once he reduced power the autopilot didn't compensate for the lack of power to hold them at 2,000 feet and flight 401 slowly headed into a descent as they were descending a little chime went off in the background of all the frustration and commotion letting them know that they had dropped 250 feet below their selected altitude but no one heard it now repo comes back up out of the hellhole and says he couldn't see the red line he's like it's pitch black out there i can't see it even when i even when I look through the telescope and flick on the little light to look at it, nothing comes on. So Loft, he then go aheads and flips up 
the Wheelwell light and then tells Repo to go look again. So you know how earlier I brought up Flight 607? Well, this is around the time where all of their stuff has stopped and everything went okay. So now air traffic control can give Flight 401 all of its attention. Once air traffic control looks at the radar and sees Flight 401 still on the radar, they go ahead and try to make contact, but they realize that Flight 401 is only at 900 feet. So air traffic control says, hey, how's everything coming along? Are you guys good? And Loft sounding confident says he will like to turn around and come back. So air traffic control gave them new coordinates and stock still plugs it into the autopilot. And as he's doing it, he glances at the altimeter. And when he glances at the altimeter, he notices something's wrong. The altimeter was rapidly descending to zero. So he asked everybody in the cockpit, are we still at 2,000 feet? And Loft says, yeah, why wouldn't we be? I didn't do anything minus reduce the power. And as he says that, he takes a glance at the altimeter and he sees that it's rapidly descending to zero also. And once he sees that, he's like, what the, what the hell's going on? And after, right away, all of the sudden, a bunch of buzzers and buttons go off, letting them know that they're extremely close to the ground. So Loft, in a spur of the moment, pitched up and engaged more throttle, but it was too late. The plane had crashed into the marshy, swampy Everglades of Florida at 11.42 p.m., on December 29th. It hit the ground at 227 miles per hour, causing the plane to explode, rip in two, and send passengers flying from the cabin. After the plane crashed, air traffic control tried reaching out to Flight 401 because it wasn't coming up on the radar anymore. But Flight 401 was not getting a response from air traffic control and air traffic control wasn't getting a response from flight 401. So air traffic control was like confused on what's going on. But then they get a call from national flight 611 and it delivered the most chilling news of the night saying they saw a huge explosion out west. 75 people out of 176 had survived. It took the Coast Guard and authorities three hours to extract all the survivors. And this was labeled the worst plane crash in US history at the time. So, after the crash and after the recovery and after the survivors are at home resting, an investigation was launched to see what truly happened. And what they had found was the light bulbs in the nose gear light burnt out, and the landing gear was locked and down the entire time. So in this weird twist of fate, it was safe 
for all of the for them to land, but the pilots couldn't have known without further ver verification. And at this point, it really turned when they turned around to go to make sure that it was still is really the turning point and if they wouldn't have turned around and if they risked it everything would have been okay so nobody really put the blame on the pilots they just trained it just really shaped the training for better pilots and a new autopilot system but this plane this story isn't really doesn't it's not just known for its crash or to train pilots or for the autopilot another huge part of the story is all of the ghost stories quote-unquote ghost stories that come along with it after the crash, some parts of Flight 401 were salvageable, and these parts were placed on a new L-1011 airplane. According to crew members and passengers, they started seeing apparitions of Bob Loft and Don Repo in the galley area. One specific sighting of the Vice President of Eastern Airlines boarded a flight leaving JFK. He stopped to talk to one of the pilots, or what he thought was one of the pilots that was gonna pilot the plane he was on, but he later recognized him as the ghost of Bob Loft. And uh, on another flight, a flight attendant saw Don's face reflecting off, a, off of an oven glass door. So what she did is she grabbed two other flight attendants as witnesses to make sure she just wasn't going crazy. And what Don said to all three of them was just chilling. He opened up his mouth and said, watch out for the fire in this plane. On the returning flight of that plane, the engine failed before catching on fire. As these stories became more frequent, Eastern Airlines told its, its employees to stop talking about these stories and to stop recording them in the flight log. Soon after, the salvage parts were then removed and no more sightings of Bob or Don were seen. Fact, fiction, or just a good old ghost story what happened to Flight 401 was a massive tragedy, and it affected hundreds of families and the way we fly today. We are in an age of constant innovation, good, bad, or the ugly, and only the future will hold us accountable for the effects we have on humanity and this world. This is your captain speaking, we have landed safely. Thank you for choosing to fly with the Rainy Day Horror Show Airlines flight number 69. Stay frosty. Stay foxy. And most importantly, stay safe.
Captain McBalls, out.